Hey, it's Sarah. That's What She Said is presented by Coors Light, the beer made to chill. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Be sure to check out the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny. This week, Mina wraps up her divisional previews with Aaron Schatz and the AFC North. Will we see three playoff teams out of the Ravens, Steelers, Browns, and Bengals? How will number one pick Joe Burrow fare in his rookie season? You can find the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny wherever you get your podcasts. That's what she said. The first major of 2020 is finally here. Get exclusive coverage of the PGA Championship August 6th through 9th on ESPN and ESPN+. And since we know you've been missing golf, we at ESPN Audio teamed up with our friends at the PGA to give you all something big to look forward to in 2021. This is your chance to win a VIP experience to the 2021 PGA Championship at the world-class Kiowa Island Golf Resort. The four-day, three-night grand prize package includes round-trip air and hotel at the Sanctuary, a five-star oceanfront hotel on the island, two tickets to the PGA Chalet, and two pairs of Wanamaker Club tickets, two free one-year-long subscriptions to ESPN+, stream live coverage of featured holes every weekend on ESPN+, win a year of exclusive live sports originals, and more with ESPN+. For your chance to win, go to www.espnradiosweeps.com to enter now through August 11th. Limit to one entry. One grand prize winner will be selected. Visit www.espnradiosweeps.com for official rules. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's what she said. Well, that's what she said. Welcome to That's What She Said, conversations with interesting people from the world of sports, music, comedy, and more, talking about their lives, careers, successes, and failures. My guest this week is a return guest, and we thought we'd do this special pod to commemorate the end of his run on ESPN Radio. It's Mike Golick Sr., a member of the National Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame, the National Radio Hall of Fame, a voice you've heard on ESPN probably for most of your life. He joined ESPN back in 95 as an NFL studio analyst and was a color commentator for Arena Football League and college football games, started doing radio, and of course had a 20-year run with Mike and Mike show and was doing Golic and Wingo up until uh, the end of this week when that show will end and so will his run as a morning radio host here on ESPN. He'll be around for uh, a couple more months uh, calling some games and then who knows what's next for him and we talk about that a little bit. Um, He of course also a former NFL player uh, spent eight years in the league as a defensive tackle. Uh, We had him on just a, a bit before Mike and Mike ended, so I thought I'd bring him back on for this special podcast to sort of remember his uh, quarter century as a radio host in the mornings here with ESPN and look ahead. Uh, Stan Zick, uh, my producer here on the podcast, you were a producer at Mike and Mike for a while, uh, so you uh, you know how crazy it is for this to be coming to an end. Yeah, I was there for the tail end of Mike and Mike and the first year and a half of Golk and Wingo. I think I was the only carryover or one of the only carryovers from one show to the next. So I was there for some turbulent times, but uh, Golik's one of my guys. Uh, I feel like everyone who does those shows kind of shrugs off the schedule. They say it's a grind. They say it's tough, but they're like, you could do it. I could not do it. Uh, could you do it? I never thought of myself as a morning person, but you know, you get used to it. And then once I stopped doing the morning show, I think 
three days later, I was like, how would I ever have done that? It makes no sense. Uh, well, I uh, I can kind of track my own spot at the company through Golick and my feelings towards him, which started out as, holy shit, that's Mike Golick. Oh my God, it's Mike and Mike. This is like the show. Even people who don't know sports know Mike and Mike. They're everything to you know being at ESPN 1000. Oh my gosh, I'm an update anchor at ESPN 1000. I'm actually on the air when the music goes, I get to say, hi. I'm Sarah Spain and here's your sports center update, which was like the biggest deal ever. And then it was, Hey, Sarah, Mike and Mike are coming in town to do live shows at the cubby bear. Can you show up at five in the morning and during the commercial breaks, since they will not be serving beer yet, everyone will just be staring there at the stage, nothing to do. Will you go on stage and do entertaining bits and games and monologues for the audience? Oh my gosh, I get to be a part of Mike and Mike. Of course, no one ever sees me or hears from me, but I'm technically doing this and then eventually becoming a guest on the show and then, you know, calling uh, Mike Golick Sr. a friend and, and someone who uh, I can have on this show and, and chat with. So, um, uh, they sort of are this barometer in the uh, in the business, at least that morning show was. So it'd be very different to, to not wake up and and throw on a podcast or listen to uh, Mike, Golick, Mike Golick Sr. in the morning. Uh, his son, Jr. will still be on in the afternoons. Uh, but yeah, it was really fun to kind of walk down memory lane and talk about all of his memories from, from the shows, going to the White House and going on trips and uh, when people didn't know who they were to suddenly becoming guys who could sell out a room. Um, so it was really, really cool to talk to him about all of it. I think you guys are going to love this interview. That's what she said. So the last time Mike Golick Sr. was on the podcast, it was the day before the last Mike and Mike show. And now you're back three days before the last Golick and Wingo show. Uh, thank you for coming back on. I'm excited to recap uh, 24 years of waking up early in the morning and, and doing radio. Um, but I want to ask, is this time as you're sort of wrapping up this show with a couple days left, is it more bittersweet because this is a true end where you won't be, you know, showing up and doing radio every morning for ESPN? Or is it easier because you kind of eulogized Mike and Mike and went through sort of a soft run of what it feels like to end something? First and foremost... I got to stop going on your podcast. That means it's the <laughs> end of something. Oh my God. I just, I, until you said that, I'm like, wow, I go on Sarah's podcast. All of a sudden I'm done doing something. Okay. <laughs> um, um, is, is it easier? I, I wouldn't say it's easier because both times it wasn't my choice. Um, I was probably caught. Uh, I, I might've been caught off guard maybe on both of them. In all honesty, I was a little more, thought this time around they may go in another direction, though I, I never really heard from anybody that said it for sure. So I, I don't know if it's any easier this time because I didn't want it to end. I didn't think Mike and Mike should have ended. And I didn't think this should have ended. Um, so from that part, listen, just like playing football, and I was never in that position, everybody likes to go out on their own terms. But right. like 90, mm -hmm. 95, 98% of the players, and I was one of those, they say, oh, are you retired? And basically the truth is the league retires you. When no team calls, that kind of means you need to retire. And that's what happened in my case. So while I say I, I I wanted to keep going, I compared it to getting cut from the Houston Oilers and cut from the Miami Dolphins. I don't think it was the right move, but there's nothing I can do about it. I would have loved to keep going. Listen, I have so many great memories um, and, and to work with the people I did from Tony Bruno and Greeny and Trey and Mike, but easily I can say, and I'll say this on my last day as well, you know, with no disrespect to Tony or Greeny or Trey, to be able to work with your kid 
I mean, my yeah. God, it, it's been, and our family is a very close family. Anybody who's listened and watched the show over the years. So to be able to do that, and, and I'm happy he's part of the, the new radio lineup with Janae, and I, I think they'll do a great job. Uh, but that, that to me might be, even though it was the shortest amount of time, might be the best time it was to be able to, you know, and you don't ever want to take for granted that 6 a.m. rolls around every morning and there you are to flip on the microphone and you're sitting there, you know, shooting the shit with your kid. You know, it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Oh, by the way, to a national audience. So that was right. uh, really, really probably one of the coolest things. Well, and, and you know, there's no guarantees that that's over because, you know, Lebitard managed to wrangle his old ass dad into a TV show. Uh, so, I mean, wait another couple years until, you know, f figure out some catchphrases, uh, figure out if you're still comfortable, you know, putting your T-shirt over your head. And I can see a highly questionable remake, you know, 20 years from now. I am, as I said, people have been very, very nice on social media about the end of the run on radio. Uh, radio and the simulcast. But as I said, I, I said, I'm not retiring. You know, I, I didn't want to end this. I, I'm going to keep working. I could have just sat on my butt for the next five months and collected a paycheck because I'm under contract until the end of the year. But I, but I actually told the bosses, I said, let me go back and do college football. Let me do something. You know, so now I hope there's a college football season. Um, if there is, then, then I'll call college games. But it's been pretty cool. Um, you know, I've heard from, from uh, I've gotten more than a few calls about my future, everybody knowing that I'm under contract till the end of the year. So I'm still going to be around. I'm still going to be in the business. I guess it might be cool in the fact if I can kind of maybe pick or choose what direction I want to go and how much I want to do. Uh, but, but nothing is, you're right, nothing is off the table. Now, it seems ESPN Radio is off the table. That's kind of been made clear to me that, yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that at least for now, that, that part is, yeah. is uh, I'm not in any plans there. But other than that, I'm, I'm open to a lot of things. My, my wife said, no way do I want you around the house all this time, uh, even, though, even though the last three months of this show have been in my basement. It, so, literally you know, around the house, yeah. That's exactly, all I do is walk downstairs. I haven't left the yeah. house. Um. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good gig if you can get it. I've been doing my radio show at my house for the last like five years now. I think is how long I've been, maybe maybe three and a half. Um, I want to get back into all of that stuff and what might might happen next. Um, but you know, you just mentioned you've been doing the show in your house. How weird is it to end this thing that feels massive in scale and new normally happens in a big studio with cameras everywhere and all of your colleagues probably coming. There's a giant cake and everybody that's ever worked at ESPN is rolling through probably. And instead you're just sitting at home with your son bragging about his thigh meat and your dog sitting on your lap. And it just, it feels uh, almost anticlimactic just in the way that it physically is being, you know, finished. Well, two things. First, it feels like, I'm a 10th rounder, which I was, you know, I, mean, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a high draft. Right. Pick. It's a practice well, squad cut. It, it doesn't fit. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> that being said, I'm almost happier this way. I got a nice surprise the last hour of the show uh, when, I, when I'm going to be done, which I think for the way I've done radio and TV, the simulcast for the last 22, 23 years, I think people will understand and appreciate uh, because one thing from the beginning of this, I, I have always put my family out there, put myself out there. And that's kind of been the, 
the consistent string throughout the show. So there is something from that side of it fitting that it does end in my basement. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, so you talked about how it wasn't your choice. And it is true when you are a, a pro athlete, it's usually not your choice when you walk away. But it's a coach or a GM, right, that gets to make that decision. In the case of your two shows, it feels like obviously the first time Greeny wanted to go do something else. And that sort of disrupted this thing that had been going on for so long. And in this case, there were rumors that maybe Trey didn't love the morning stuff as much as he thought he would, or that it wasn't, you know, um, necessarily that the show itself wasn't a success or something that the company wanted, but maybe that once they realized it wasn't going to stay Golik and Wingo with the three pieces, then it was like, well, we might as well just blow it up altogether. So in your case, it feels like both times sort of like a partner and part of the show is the reason that it ends. Is that frustrating for you? Cause you're the through line. That's like, yeah. wait, where's everybody going? I'm, I'm good to keep waking up at the crack of dawn and doing this forever. Yeah. I, I guess from the standpoint of, Greeny wanting to go do something else. And that's all been well-documented. If I wish right. he would have come to me and kind of, you know, was, was a little more upfront about it, but that's, you know, that that's obviously in the past, but that was somebody and listen, everybody has a right to try and go do what they want. He wanted to do something else, but I knew I was keeping the morning show. It was just going to be different. And, you know, the great part was having my son and, you know, when, when, you know, th there was talks of Jason Fitz of, of Stu Gotts and certainly of Trey and Trey's familiarity with me and being around the company for a long time, uh, especially, you know, being the football guy, seemed like a, a good fit. And, you know, whether whether Trey enjoyed it or not, that's something that, that anybody can ask Trey. I know I know he didn't like getting up early, but for the show, the, the guy, you know, he knows his sports. He, he does a yeah. good job. He hosts, he hosts TV shows, so he knows how to host. So, But whether he wanted to do that or not, to me, wasn't the issue. If he if he didn't want to do it and was going to change, I thought, well, I should still be on the show and let's just change it, make it me and my son and Jason Fitz or Stu Gotts or or somebody else, and let's just keep going, just like last time when Mike and Mike ended. I stayed on the morning show with a different group. You know, if Trey wasn't going to be part of it or didn't want to be part of it, if that was his choice, then let's put someone else in there and keep going. So that was my thought that was going to keep happening until, unfortunately. The, the tough time this time around is I, I basically heard it was ending through the media, which, which you know, to me isn't the best way to find something out. I don't think that is, is the right way, but they didn't ask me. So <laughs> what, was, <laughs> what I felt was the right way, you know, it's business. At the end of the day, it's business. And I've always said this about football and it's true in anything. You got to be careful of taking things too personally. At the end of the day, it's a business. You know, it, it, can, it can seem like you have a great relationship here or a great relationship there. But at the end of the day, if the bosses want to do something different, they're going to do something different. And, they, and you know what? They have every right to. You have been pretty vocal both times about how you found out and your disappointment. That's a choice, right? Like you could always have those conversations behind the scenes with people and not let on or say, oh, yeah, you know, I was in the meetings for this. Um, why was it important for you to people know kind of a little bit more of how things went down in both cases? I am, I am always a, um, I will say it to your face guy. I will say it to you on the, in this case, I guess on the phone or, you know, <laughs> I, I, I won't go into detail. I have been, Sarah, the amount of times I have been contacted by, you know, the media to yeah. comment on this or that. And I have, I, I, I have text back to, to a number of them saying, listen, I understand your job, what your job, you know, that you have a job to do. But I have never been a locker room talking guy. 
So I said, someday I will tell the full stories of everything, but now is not the time. But that didn't mean I still couldn't talk about the end and how it went. Did I like the way it ended? You know, Mike and Mike? No, I, I didn't. Now, as I've always said a lot about that, if you want the full story, you know, that, that should go to the other people that were involved in ending Mike and Mike because it wasn't my choice to end Mike and Mike. I didn't like, I didn't like it. I didn't like kind of the way it went, it went about. But again, people have the right to try and do what they want to do. That doesn't mean I liked the process of it. Um, and in, in this case, listen, I told each coach when I was cut, I think they were wrong in cutting me. I have no problem saying that. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think it was wrong not having me on Do Morning Radio anymore. I don't think that was the right move. But as far as any story behind it or why management did it, that's something they have to explain, not me. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to talk that much outside the locker room, as they say. But I'll say my piece as far as I think it was the wrong move. I think I should still be doing radio. That doesn't mean I don't wish the next group all the luck in the world. Listen, a job was available. They were offered it and they took it. I hold no ill will toward anybody on air. Why would I? That would make no sense. I just, I don't think it was the right move. But again, I wasn't asked. (laughs) But Uh, but again, as far as really explaining things and diving into it, that I'm not going to do. I leave that for for the book. Yeah. Yes, with that or or for the people who made the decision and and how they want to present it, you know, to the public. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of crazy though to imagine finding out via the media that this that this run would end and and to your point of not believing it's necessarily the right decision, certainly feels like a lot of listeners and fans would agree the sort of outpouring of of uh, affection for you and how their mornings won't be the same and it just isn't going to feel right to be listening to ESPN radio if you're not there in the morning. Um what has that been like to hear because it's again you sort of went through it with Mike and Mike but everybody knew right. you were sticking around. So this is very specifically then about you and not about the show that they had an affection for. You're absolutely right. This is this is more about, you know, the the 22 years being on and and getting to know people. Sarah, that that's been humbling to say the least. Now, certainly hearing from peers, you know, who have been nice enough to reach out uh, about this is is great because, you know, the the people you work with to, you know, you have that equal appreciation for one another. But hearing stories, I mean, some of the people saying my my daughter was born, you know, while your show was on, I'm walking her down the aisle next week. Now, a lot of the stories make me feel old, but I mean, to hear some guy say, I started listening to you when I was 14 and I had a, 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 a paper route and then I would listen to you on my way to, to, to workouts for high school football. Now I listen to you on armed force radios as I, as I'm deployed. I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, yeah. so that, that's the stuff that really kind of goes, wow, you know, Forgetting the sports part, the, the, talking sports is fun. I, I, I do that sitting at the corner of our, you know, and having a beer. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. But I wanted, I always wanted to give the, the thought process that I was talking with someone, not at someone. Mm-hmm. And again, opening up and showing that I'm no better than everybody else. I got kids who do dumb things, you know, and I talk about them on air. Me and my wife talk about our, our relationship on air. I'm just like all of you. I just happen to be able to say it in a microphone in front of, you know, millions of people, you know, each day. So that to me has really been, again, I keep going back to the word humbling to hear, not that people listen, but man, for how long they listened and 
the, I think the greatest, two of the, the best compliments were, were, are that when I see you in the airport, I don't have any problem coming up and saying hello to you because I feel like we're old friends. Yeah. Which is a very, very cool thing to hear. And the other is the one thing I was never going to be um, in morning radio where it can get that way sometimes. I was never going to be this blue guy, you know, and, and cross the line that way. The most I ever cross the line is talking about it with my wife and they play the porn bed. You know, that's, that's <laughs> as crazy as I get. You know, right. um, maybe the Kim Kardashian photo. Yeah. I would argue just full nude is a little blue. Then again, not on the air. It is not a that, visual. <laughs> that was the only thing that'll take away any kind of sexual thought on that is my wife <laughs> oiled me down with a paintbrush. There's nothing as unsexy as being oiled down with a paintbrush and then having your then however old he was son, Mike, take the pictures. I mean, so believe me, <laughs> believe me, it was it was nasty. but. So that was one when someone would say, I feel I can say hi to you because I feel like we're friends. And the other, as I mentioned, we weren't, we rarely crossed the line in any of the, the, the hosts that I had is when I would have mothers come up to me and say, you know what I appreciate is when I was driving the kids to school, I never had to worry about turning it down or changing the channel real quick right. that you were going to say something that my kids shouldn't hear. So th those are some of the things that, that I really appreciate. Was I a hot take guy? No. Was I a guy, oh man, tune into this guy because he is going to go off the rails on something. <laughs> no, I wasn't that guy. I just wanted to have a conversation with people on their way to work. If I could give them a little information, great. If I could make them laugh a little bit on the way to work, man, that, that to me was the kicker. So that was kind of my goal in this whole thing. Yeah. I would love to be the person that mothers had to change the channel for, but Disney just doesn't allow it. Like there's, there's yeah. so many, I'm not allowed to say almost all of the things in my head no, you can't. at any given time. So, uh, I don't know if that's so much a choice as just a requirement of the job, but, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe my next outlet, who knows where exactly. I'll end up. Maybe I'll get say, to you know, be that guy. Yeah. I always say the after dark version of the show would just be a whole <laughs> different vibe if I, if I was somewhere else. Um, you know, you uh, you mentioned, and I saw some of the many responses from fans and from guests and athletes and people that have been on the show. And uh, Brock Heward said something that I think speaks to what you just said. He said, thank you for showing so many of us what it looked and sounded like to have an opinion, but still be likable and kind. That is such a great little summary of how you did your work. And also, compared to a lot of what gets... Uh, buoyed up as the strength of the industry or it's sort of the pinnacle of the industry is so nice for people who don't like listening to people scream at each other. I have right. a lot of opinions. Uh, some might argue that I occasionally come strong with the take <laughs> or, uh, you know, go a little bit, uh, ether on some people. Um, but it's always stuff I very deeply believe and care about. And I've never been someone who understood being able to go on and, you know, talk about how LeBron should be ashamed of himself for, I don't know, not having enough assists or whatever it was. Um, how did you ever feel pressure to change? I know that it was very clear early on that that was sort of your personality and you did evolve into less of a ha ha. I'm a big dumb jock to just right. as much analysis and thoughtful opinion as anyone else on your shows. There was an evolution over time, but um, was there ever any part of you that they said we need stronger opinions or you need to be angry or we need you to, you know, come with the hot takes. That's the thing now. They, I mean, I, I never change outside of what you just said, because that's something I did have to evolve to, um, was, you know, at first the kind of the self-deprecating big dumb jock, but I also had to realize, you know what, it would be my wife who would say, you know what, listen, you're, 
you're funny and people know that, but you don't have to act like you're dumb. She goes, cause you're not, you know? And so I tried to find a way to be myself, still have fun at my own expense. But also when it came down to time to break something down, know what you're talking about. Cause I would like that a person to think of me when they hear me is okay. When he's talking serious about sports, he knows what the hell he's talking about, but boy, he can sure have a good time as well. Um, so you're right about that. There was an evolution to that. As far as anybody ever trying to change me, you, you, listen, you sat in them. You always sit in those meetings of, Hey, maybe this is what people want, or maybe this is what people want, or maybe you should try this. But I'll always go back to what my father said. And, and he didn't say it about me in this industry. He said it as a whole. He said, always be yourself. Never change that because if you start to be someone different, whenever you are that, now you have to change who you are in front of that certain amount of people and then go back to being who you are. Mm -hmm. So just be yourself at all times. My thought was, this is who I am. If you don't like it or if it's not working for you, you'll let me know by not renewing my contract. You know, that, that will be the easy, because people always say, hey, when I'm going through, I mean, years of this, ratings came out. Sarah, I was never, I was like, okay, whatever. I, I didn't care. Stanzik knows this when, when he produced our, our show, Mike and Mike. I didn't care. If they were bad, someone was going to let me know. And if they were good, someone was going to let me know. And I was, no matter what, I wasn't going to change how I approached the way I did things because I, I didn't want to change who I was. So I never once thought about changing who I was. I just figured if it wasn't working enough for them, they would let me know by, by not having me on air anymore. And maybe, maybe that time came 22, <laughs> 23 years in. <laughs> uh, there is a certain amount of stress and I've heard about it, especially when I was working at the local station in Chicago uh, with like SVP and Rosillo, they would really try to push them to work uh material and from the big markets that they were in for those slots. And right. And so there was a ton of pressure on them to like Chicago's dropping. We need more of this content or we know, you know, and that was very frustrating for them. There's a lot of frustration in being told whether ratings are up or down, but you should try being in time slots where they don't even tell you that because they say yeah. between, Oh, so my first shows were Saturdays. Well, Saturdays, it's just an aggregate of the, you know, six hours. So we really right, have no idea right. if anyone's listening. And then, and then you go at night and then they're like, well, really just from like 5 PM till whatever in the morning. And it's just one, so like, again, you have no clue whether anyone is enjoying what you're doing. That might be a, that might be a, a ignorance is bliss situation. No one can ever come to me and say ratings are down because I have no idea what they're doing. You, you may be right there. You, that, that, that's, a, that's a really good thought. You know, as far as things that, that kind of over the years, and we did go through that, where, hey, talk more New York, talk more Chicago, talk more Dallas, talk more LA. Those are the stations we own or the bigger markets. Right. So we would, you know, we would skew, again, our personality stayed the same, but you would skew it to those markets. But then you found out you start to cater to one or two and you exclude everybody else. So, I mean, you go through an evolution over 22 years. And I think one of the things that helped the most, especially with Tony, with Tony Bruno, who when Tony and I started, we literally did our show out of Bristol and literally had one affiliate. <laughs> ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Yeah. That was it. That was the only one we had. And it grew from there. So when it got to me, me and Greeny, it was a few more people, but it wasn't even heard in Hartford. Our show was not even heard in Hartford for a couple of years. So our bosses couldn't hear the show. So in all honesty, we were kind of left alone. Nobody thought we would turn in anything. We could make all our mistakes and kind of learn on our own for a couple of years before it really kind of took off. 
And one of the things we learned over that time when all of a sudden Mike and Mike started doing well, ratings started going up on radio and TV. All of a sudden it's like, oh my God, let's promote these guys a little more. Now, all of a sudden, a lot of cooks came to the kitchen. Yeah. Talk more New York, talk more Chicago. So you try different things and then you just realize, just put on a good show. If what's coming out of the speakers is good, then people will like it no matter what market they're in. And the other battle, the battle I always lost, and to the end of the show, I will lose. And anybody, all I have to do is look at the rundown to know the amount of guests that we have. And I love, I love our guests, but not all on one friggin' day. <laughs> I mean, Standick, Standick's got to be laughing his ass off because he knows, he knows he has heard this from me. And, and I know it can come up from higher on that and, yeah. pressure, and, it, and it's pressure on the producer. But my God. I mean, two, sometimes three hosts and six guests. Yeah. When the hell can you have an opinion about everything? <laughs> We've had six. We had seven guests. I mean, and so finally, I just kind of threw my hands up in the air and say, I know producers are in a tough position. I don't understand why the higher ups think that can be good at times. I really don't get it. Yeah. Because you want personality out of your host, yet you give them no room right. to show any personality because you bog it down with guests, again, who are great. But God, spread them out a little more. So that is one thing I'm not going to lie. I am not going to miss being bogged down with that. The guests are your thing. Okay. I usually like, yes, especially like if I get stuck hosting solo for three hours, oh, I, I tell my that. producer, I'm yeah. like every, every segment, <laughs> I don't, I I don't want to put together too many monologues here. <laughs> anybody that does a show alone. And I have never had to do that. Yeah. I, I have so much respect for the, of how you can be able to do that. And I would be with you. I would say, okay, yeah. I need some people to bounce some stuff yeah, off. Yeah. I'm talking about, I got two other people on set with me to bounce shit off right. of. It's hard why to be a smart ass yeah, to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Why, do I, why do I need seven guests to go along with, you know, right. three people on set? But as a right. solo host, I completely agree. With right. You. Yours is guests. My, uh, my thing that I will never stand down on is I hate callers. <laughs> They're always like, we need more callers. And I'm like, oh. why? <laughs> and it's not that I don't like the listeners. It's that it's tougher to talk on the radio than people think. And so even someone who's probably great at chatting at the local sports bar and probably does have something great to say, by the time they call in and then they forget that they're not supposed to say, how are you? And then you're like, okay, we're great. How are you? Like, what, what do you have to say? Then whatever they say, and it's just, it takes forever. And then the people listening at home are like, G -g 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 get to the point, Junior. And I, I, you put too many of those together. And I, I, I almost always immediately change the channel if I'm listening to a radio show and they have callers. I just, it's not my jam. And they're always like, you should definitely have more callers. And I'm like, no. Sarah, <laughs> you I completely agree. The battle over the years of call of, of them wanting us to take calls our given would be, we would give a topic out, give them a phone line and tell them to leave a message. Yeah, to leave a, exactly. To leave a 30-second message. Oh, the number of times I've tried to steal that idea and I've said, hey, can we get a show voicemail like go, yes. go what a great idea that is because then we can vet them and make sure we only play yes. good. <laughs> yes, because I mean, what is the reason? We all know this in Radio 101. What is, well, wait, when I started, a fax. What is right. a fax? What is a caller? Now, what is a tweet? What is that all? What's that tool for? It's to enhance the broadcast. Yeah. Haven't, and, and I'm sorry for all the listeners out there who call in, but I'm sorry you going on for 30 or 40 seconds about something. You're right. I think it turns people off. So that's why we would say you got 30 seconds. Yep. Do your best on a, on a, and then we would 
We would decide when we want to use it once it either fit our conversation or yeah. could further our conversation. Mm-hmm. And we would use uh, voice messages that way or tweets that way. Yeah. Oh, there have been many times. And, and that is one thing I, I said, no, we are mm-hmm. not doing live callers. And then <laughs> a couple of times we did and it backfires and it just gives me all yep. the ammo to say, we're done with that. <laughs> no more of that. Yeah, we had, oh, we I, that reminds me. We had a caller segment uh, maybe a couple months ago and the person said what they were going to talk about. Then once they got on the air, it was literally a conspiracy theory about someone getting uh, murdered. And I was like, see, see, this is why. Yes. Isn't that the truth? Uh, I have to admit, our, our one of our old colleagues, Colin Cowherd, he he didn't want, he was yeah. one of the best at it yeah. because he and his producer. Or Jim they, Rome. Jim Rome they, and the clones. It yes, used to they, work. Had, yeah. they at times got their listeners to call in, say what they wanted to say, and then they were potted down. Yep. So they, they said their line, pot them down, and let the host use that yep. to however they want to use it on the show. But a, a caller, unfortunately, rambling on just, just isn't doing it for me. So let's talk about um, the last time you were on here. Uh, you did not expect tears during your last Mike and Mike. It was the day before you knew there were going to be some surprises and whatever. Do you remember if you ended up tearing up during that last show? I did not tear up during I that lost last bet show three years ago. Yeah. yeah. Un- un- <laughs> unfortunately, you know, it was certainly a little different on set at that point. Um, it, w- it was, it was, it was in studio number one and they had some people, their chair set up in an audience, but, but the vibe was unfortunately a little different on the set at that point. Um, for what all had transpired in the right. year and a half toward the end of Mike and Mike, there, there was part of me that was obviously sad it was over, but glad that it was over. You know what right. I mean? It got awkward this, at the end. Yeah. 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 This one, this one, knowing it's completely over. Um, I, am my, my wife is going to ball. She says she's not, but she cries at a good commercial. Me too. Um, it's a problem. So I, I, I would imagine because, you know, my son will be sitting here the family will be here. I imagine it may get somewhat. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I would take probably the over. Okay. I'm going to try not to. Okay. I really am going to try not to, but I am, I'm going to take the over. There are going to be two guests in my last show that, that I wanted on, possibly in the last hour, but, but for sure on the last show that I wanted on for sure, um, just, just to talk to one last time. Uh, and, and those are the two I, I look forward to chatting with a little bit with the family and then I'll try and hold it together. And then I'll, I'll, I'll hold up a sign that said, we'll work for donuts and money and, and I'll be on my way. <laughs> That's a good tease. A, a, a radio man right till the end. He teases the two guests that are coming up. Uh, let's talk about some of your favorite guests. I don't want you to give away anything, but uh, do you have uh, folks that throughout the entire tenure uh, you, you liked having on the most? I, I think, you know, there were the entertaining ones like Charles Barkley was always yeah. a win. Uh-huh. There was, and, and, and I don't know if either one of you remember the EF Hutton commercials when EF Hutton talks. All right. See, I am so old. There was a commercial where everybody would be talking and then it would be EF Hutton. When EF Hutton talks, people listen and everybody would get real quiet and listen. Bill Curry was that when we would have Bill Curry on, Bill Curry, I got to know now a player, an NFL player, you know, played for Vince Lombardi and Don uh, Shula, court, uh, centered for um, uh, Johnny Unitas and Bart Starr. I mean, then coached and we shared a booth together, me, him and Dave Barnett for a couple of years. And I got to know him really well. And he 
his wisdom is unbelievable. And he has that soft delivery that we would probably get the most response from listeners and viewers when he was on. I think w- without a doubt when he was on because of people just love, they stop whatever they're doing. They stop and just listen to what he had to say because he was so smart. Um, so he was great. Mark Schlereth, for years, we worked together here and would come on the show because he just got the show and played along all the time. He was fantastic. Uh, Darius Rucker, I mean, my, yeah. you know, he had become such a great friend over the years uh, and loved sports so much that, uh, you know, we're, we are in touch with him all the time anyway. Uh, our family is. Uh, but having him on to talk sports and to talk music has been great. Those are some, some just off the top of my head. Uh, that have been fantastic. But if you got to pick one, probably on on all the, the different formats, just about everybody's probably had them on. Charles Barkley is tough yeah. to beat. Yeah. I mean, you know, the old Chuck being Chuck thing is uh, <laughs> is, is tough to beat because he's, he's going to tell you what he thinks. Yeah, I can only imagine, uh, you know, after all these years, the number of people that might come strolling through in these last couple of days, which will be fun for you. I'm, uh, I'm going to have- tell you really quickly, though, yeah. I'm sorry to, to commandeer this. The... <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the best things I was able to do, well, we got to be on David Letterman, Greeny and I, 11 times. That's and crazy. That was great. And, and, and I know you can, can beep this out if you need, but one of the best was the first time, and we were nervous as hell, right? And we're backstage getting ready to go out and, and see Dave. And we kind of really were just back there waiting for the guy back there. And I, I, God, I, I hope I'm not going to blank. I believe his name was Biff. I'm not positive, but guy been there forever. Right? Yeah. And so we're like, Greeny finally asked him before we go out. So when we go out, should we walk uh, in front of the stage, behind the, uh, in front of the desk, behind the desk? Where should we walk? And he just looked at us and said, I don't give a f- where you walk. Just get in the chairs. Just end up in the chairs. So we're like, oh my God. Okay. That's what we'll do. Okay. No problem. But I, think, I think one of the most fun things we got to do was, when George Bush was the president, they had the T-ball game on the front lawn and they would bring in uh, sportscasters to call the game to kind of give it that big game feel. And Green and I got invited to do that. So my wife couldn't make it because she was with Sydney at a swim meet in Florida. So my son, Jake, who was 16 years old at the time, and neither one of you have a 16-year-old kid, but when you do at some point, or go back to when you were 16, realize what kind of person you were at 16 years old. So Jake is there with me. Angel. He was was still 16 at the time. And so we're on the front lawn. Greeny and I are in the the booth doing the game. And Jake's sitting over in the VIP section. And who goes and sits next to him? Laura Bush. I mean, I'm looking over there thinking to myself, oh, God, Jake, don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. And it turns out he, he did fine. But the coolest part of that was after the game, we walked over to the White House and all the whoever the celebrities were, I guess I'm doing that with air quotes, were there. You got to take a picture with George Bush and his wife, Laura, and the first lady. So you walked around the wall and there was a Marine standing there and he announced your name to the president. So they knew who the hell it was when they were walking up to him. So the people were in line back there. There's people getting their picture taken and we turn around the corner and, and are standing there, and now the president can see us. And right as the Marine starts to say who we are, George Bush looks right at us and goes, Mike and Mike, how are you doing? <laughs> we're like, 
Oh my God, how cool is this? Now, obviously he's a sports guy, you know, you yeah. a baseball team and things like that. So we go up there and we start talking and he's asking about sports. We're talking about sports. And then obviously all three of us are married. George, you know, president's wife is yeah. sitting right there. All of a sudden we all saw the look from Laura that me and Greeny as having wives as well. We're like, Oh, we know that look. Okay, shut yeah. up and take the picture and get out of here. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty okay, was boys. That's but enough we, of the sport exactly, talk. Yeah, exactly. we got to okay. we got to have dinner there at the White House that night. So that was such a such a cool experience. Yeah, that I was going to ask you. Um, you know, obviously Letterman, you got to throw out the first pitch at Wrigley and sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" a bunch of times. Uh, you managed the the uh, celebrity softball game at Yankee Stadium and, and Bush Stadium during All Star Star Weeks. Um, you got to be in a couple movies with Greeny. Yeah. Uh, was any of them something that either you d- ended up not enjoying the way you thought you would, or was one of them something where you were like, "This isn't that cool," and then you did it and you were like, "Whoa, that was way cool." Well, the doing the movie stuff was very very cool. Way way cooler than than I thought it was going to be. And then seeing it was was really kind of neat. So, and, and I, ever since then, I've been trying to, you know, we've had The Rock on a few times, and I've been trying to say to him and anybody involved in films that wants to listen is, my goal is to get killed in a movie. So <laughs> I'm open for that. But you want to talk about one thing that didn't turn out like I thought. Now, this is when I was a little heavier and still a little sore in the knees and the back because I was about 300 pounds and and hadn't started like stem cell on my knees and stuff. I was somewhat of a mess. And Green and I, this is the year before we coached the celebrity all-star game in the NBA. Okay. We played in it the year before that. The, the all-star game was in New Orleans and we were players in it. And I'm thinking celebrity game, you're playing this thing, you have a good time. Oh my God. How serious everybody took this game. And and I never played competitive basketball. It's a one sport I never did. I wrestled and it was the same season. So I never played basketball. But, you know, I could go out and play a little bit. A little bit. So they took it serious. The first two times up and down the court, I was gassed going, what in the hell is going on? And then to boot, in that game, I was in position under the basket. One of our guys drove. The guy guarding me went over to him. He slipped the ball to me. Sarah, I'm right under the basket. I jumped, my toe never left the ground, and I missed the layup. I hit the bottom <laughs> of the rim on oh, a layup. No. I mean, oh. I got so drunk after that game going out of New Orleans because of how poor that was. So that yeah, was sure, that was the reason. Otherwise, you would have stayed in. Oh my, yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but that was the one where I enjoyed being asked, and I thought it was very cool, and I and I wish never happened. Yeah, that's hilarious. It is uh, basketball is one of those sports too, where I think in people's heads, the the way that they imagine themselves looking while yeah. playing, it's yeah. vi- it's why I always tell guys who dog on the WNBA, I'm like, you want me to set up a video camera at your local Y, and you could see how many layups you miss and how many passes you don't complete and how many times you dribble it off your foot, and then you go home and you remember the one play you made that was oh, good. Exactly right. <laughs> that's how you remember the whole game going. Completely agree with uh, that. It was an awful experience for me. Uh, well, you guys got to do a whole lot of really cool stuff. Um, did you have a favorite, you know, recurring bit or like some part of the show that you, when it was that that time of year or that that show that you got that day where you were like, oh, I was like doing this. I think one of the things that people got the most involved in on the show, and we did it for a sh- few years, was I think it was a Friday segment called "Just Shut Up," where mm-hmm. you got to do the whole week of 
who said the dumbest thing or who deserved to be told to shut up. And then we had great production. For, I mean, production yeah. for the morning show, man, I mean, yeah. it used to be crazy. And the production for that was fantastic. And I think probably that was one of the most responses we would get of people giving people that should win that award and where <laughs> it lasted the longest, even after we stopped doing it, where people wanted that to return. Way before that, Bob Picozzi, who had worked you know, with me at ESPN for years, he did the updates, but he would come on air with us every now and then. And we would do a Bob Picozzi did you nosy, where Bob Picozzi <laughs> would come on and he would ask a, a trivia question. We would get four listeners on the line. And if somebody won, we would go to Bob's desk and take something off Bob's desk and send it to him. It could be a pencil, you know, it could be their trash can, whatever. So those were a couple of things. But if I had to pick one, I think Just Shut Up resonated the most with a lot of people. Yeah. What about a least favorite? Was there either a topic or a segment or a sport that every time you're like, okay, got to get myself ready to do this that you didn't love? Well, to, to me, to me, whenever politics crossed into sports, I'm just not a politic guy, you know, so nobody cares what my politics are. And quite honestly, I don't care what others are. Uh, there are other stations I always said to go to to listen to that. And that's something that I never wanted to do. Now there are times when it crosses over into the sports world where you have to talk about it. But in all honesty, it's the least favorite thing uh, that, that I, I like talking about. And, and that's why I just love when sports are going on. So there's right. sports to talk about. Is it because of the um, uncomfortableness of how it will be received? Because it feels to me when those things come up that you have very thoughtful things to say about it. You don't seem like someone who either shies away or who is flippant or antiquated in your opinion on those things. Um, so is it more that just you don't want to deal with what the listener might be feeling or thinking during those segments? No, no I, I don't. I don't really think that. I just think that it's an area like whenever I hear news channels try and talk sports, I think we all kind of chuckle at times, right? Right. So part of me, even though I appreciate you saying, sometimes I sound thoughtful in doing it. I don't have the knowledge of politics that I have of sports. So I feel like while I know in the, in this, in, in a particular instance, if something crossed into sports, I need to give an opinion about it. And I have no problem giving an opinion, but I feel less, confident in talking that because I don't understand enough about it to really be, you know, be able to put my foot down and say this or that outside of a personal opinion about something possible. Right. Right. Um, what about trips? You guys got to do some pretty good trips for the show, whether it was to go to venues and meet with sponsors or go golfing or do whatever it was. Is there one or two that stand out? So I will say, oh, listen, I, 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 I can get to a couple, but Two that stand out on the good and the bad are, and, and really I, I don't say bad because it was right when, when Greeny and I were first, because Tony Bruno and I were together for just a year. So then when Greeny and I started, again, our own, then we had a few more than Chicago, but Chicago was the main one. Our first trip to Chicago, I remember we had a, uh, a, a meet and greet in, I, I think it was Shula's restaurant or something. It was some, some restaurant in Chicago. And we got there and the marketing person from 1000 got there and we said, okay, what do you want us to do? And they brought a bunch of like koozies or whatever, you know, the, the giveaway stuff. And they said, just go up to people, say hi and give it to them. We're like, okay. And 
nobody knew us. I mean, we went up and people looked at us like we had three heads. Like, <laughs> who are you people and why are you interrupting the someone bringing me my drink and or my appetizers right now? We we walked out of there going, <laughs> our show's not going to last. Nobody gives a shit who we are. Nobody cares about us. Fast forward years, I don't know how many years down the road, now we had an appearance in, in Wrigleyville to a place that was packed, not only packed, but they made the mistake of the night before staying open all night. They said we're staying open all night until Golik and Wingo start, or, or uh, Mike and Mike start at six in the morning. Right. Sarah, we pulled up to the front of this place. <laughs> there was people outside ready to go in. There was people inside because it was still open. And there was one guy right where we were getting out of the car puking his brains out because oh, he was so hammered and hung over already. Yeah, that checks what, out. What, we walked into this place and there had to be over a thousand people there packed in this place. And we both kind of looked at each other and kind of remembered, remember when we walked in, we we're handing stuff and people wanted us to get the hell out of the way. And yeah. now it was packed. That was a pretty, pretty cool feeling. Other yeah. than that, you know, these, these latest, um, and such a, uh, uh, to, to, uh, Devin and Megan and Elizabeth, what they've done, the three of them to set up these trips for Golik and Wingo, these golf trips, where we go to Pinehurst, where we go to Whistling Straits. And we yeah. would take, we found out a long time ago we, when we did contests, the first contest, we had one winner go to Hawaii. And then we decided we want multiple winners for contests. So we took 10 winners to NBA All-Star Games. You know, we took multiple winners everywhere. But those golf trips that were set up the, these last couple of years were incredible. Golfing at some of the greatest places, taking eight, 10 people with us to golf with us and just spending the weekend with them and just hanging out. We had such a great one planned. We were going to go to the Notre Dame Navy game in Ireland. Oh. You know, there were and Wingo winners who went there who were at the tailgate with us before the game, and then we're going to golf with us after the game. Obviously, COVID oh. took care of that, but uh, those have been some some incredible trips over the years, no doubt. Yeah, the, that was that was a a, a definite perk of the job. Yes. Um, speaking of perks of the job, uh, how would you say you best milked the position? Uh, obviously, you can show up at places and people know you, and maybe get behind the scenes at concerts or whatever. But uh, is there a specific time when you were like, "Man, I really uh, this was pretty uh, the pretty amount clear, of uh, use of uh, my yeah." Thing, I mean, my the amount of things that certainly is against the payola uh, of Virgil, <laughs> uh, that, that comes your way is incredible. The one thing is, though, a lot of it is, you know, shirts and hats and food sometimes. I'm like, where are the diamonds in the cars? You know, yeah, where are, yeah, where are yeah. those people that, that want to send along something, you know? But, but yeah, there is probably, I would say, the biggest thing I, people would do is, especially when we were on the road, is bring me donuts. If there was one food I consumed the most over these 22 years, yeah. it's like, Sarah, people brought food, especially pastries, to the shows, and I felt like I was an animal in a zoo. They just <laughs> waited for me to eat it. They were yeah. just like, oh, look, he's eating the donut. Yeah. Oh, look, he yeah. smashed the whole donut in his mouth, you know? So I always <laughs> felt like I had to perform, you know, to, in, in eating the, the sweets that way. 
Uh, but that that's probably what I got the most. Of. Listen, there were a lot of perks, no doubt about it. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm a man who loves my donuts. Yeah, you're like, I'm actually quite full. No, eat it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't care. Put on <laughs> yeah. a show for us, clown. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I, you know, when I have guests on my podcast, sometimes I feel like, you know, we're friends after the hour conversation, and you know, I want to call them up and, and, you know go to their show or get tickets to something or do whatever. So I imagine there's got to be someone that you found out was a fan of the show or that you're a fan of. And and you called in advance to see if you could get the hookup. I became a, and this again was the, was the um, white house trip because the entertainer who played there was Kenny Chesney. And again, it was a small group. So we all got to mingle. And that's when Jake and I met like our first country guy. And it was yeah. Kenny, and we we really fell in love with the country music. And Kenny has been a great friend over the years. We've nice. gone to many many of his concerts, but through that, you know, we've gotten to meet, you know, because we'd have Kenny on and we'd have Darius on. There are other country guys that were sports fans, so they wanted to come on the show, like a Luke Bryan or a Jason Aldean yeah. or others like that. So we're like, wow, this is freaking cool. <laughs> and you know, when they come on, you talk to their manager, you get their number. You know, I have numbers mm-hmm. from the entertainers or their manager. And then, hey, anytime you want. And then when you're in that city or they're in town, you can get tickets. You're backstage. Yep. So those are some of the great. We have gotten to see. We've gotten. Let me just say we've gotten very spoiled at concerts over the years of, of how, how nice it's been and how well we've been treated. It, the, the people have been very nice to us. I'm definitely the person when they like kind of you know, half-ass on their way out, you know, here, you know, if you ever need anything, they yeah. like never think you're going to follow up. I'm like, yeah, I, abs- I absolutely will be needing things. I will be <laughs> taking advantage of that. Um, do you have any weird sponsor moments you mentioned going and like trying to hand stuff out and people didn't really care, but do you have anywhere you uh, you're like, I can't believe I'm promoting this or this is a, uh, an odd kind of thing. Not really. It, it, there was a time when there were, advertisers who wanted to put their products on our set. And I don't right. know if ESPN was trying to find a way to monetize that or could they not do it? The one, the one most interesting one, and I would have loved it was a uh, steel chainsaw that I, I thought if we were going to go down this road, that there was going to be a chainsaw on our yeah. set to which I then would have asked Greeny, show me that you can start a chainsaw. No. You know, and, just, and and of course, you know, he a he wouldn't have been able to. B, if he did, it would have it would have cut him somehow, some or way. You. Yeah, we kind yeah. of had that dynamic <laughs> of you know, hands guy, you know, working on yeah. stuff and not. You know, it's kind of the the role we both played. But that was that almost came to be one of the weirdest things out there. That at times we did put some things on the set, but I really thought there was going to be a chainsaw on the set, and I thought. <laughs> That really would have would have been the opening to something had we done something like that. Absolutely. Um, okay, so you're um, you, you keep talking about Tony Bruno, and before Tony Bruno, you were actually on morning radio in Phoenix before yeah. Tony Bruno and before Mike and Mike. So since '96, you have been doing morning radio, 24 years. Um, you know, almost as old as I am. Yeah. And I'm curious what you think the biggest lifestyle change will be after this Friday when you will not be up for morning radio for the first time in a quarter of a century. I would say one of the things I'm very proud of is in all those years, I set one alarm and I never overslept for, I never missed the start of the show. 
Wow. Which is better than your son, who's only been in the industry a couple of years. And he overslept. And I woke up to a phone message from you. Hey, Sarah, it's Mike Golick Sr. Uh, We can't find Junior. I know you guys were at the same wedding last night. Any idea what happened to him? Like, and I, of course, slept in till like noon. So by the time I wake up and I'm like, oh, did you guys find him? Yeah, we yeah. Played. One of the more interesting <laughs> phone calls I've had to make when Mike was supposed to be on with Stu Gatz. Yeah, Sarah, any idea where Mike is? Because I know how Mike gets to weddings. You know, he. Uh, oh, he was having fun. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. loses. He loses. <laughs> um, I think for me is so even like on the weekends while I can sleep into like seven or seven thirty, I still kind of toss and turn at about four fifteen, four thirty. Oh. So when will that end? When will I sleep through four fifteen? all the way to the morning. That's what I wonder, because I won't have to set the alarm anymore, you know, come August 1st. So how long will it be? I mean, I, I am going to try and document it and see how long it takes me where I don't wake up or at least kind of stir at 4.15 when I normally would get up. Yeah. So a big change for your wife and your family. I mean, are there things that you always wanted to do and because of your schedule, you never could that you think you're going to start? Sarah, th- this is, I don't want it to sound bad, like, oh, I can do whatever I, I wanted, but yeah. this So a big change for your wife and your family. I because, mean, there- you know, listen, it, it worked out pretty well um, from not only the rating side and the longevity side, but, you know, along with that, it, it, it paid pretty well. I'm not going to lie. Listen, I'm, I, as I said, I'll always be up front. And it allowed me to do a lot of things because it's six to 10 in the morning. As my wife said, you know, all you missed when they, because when I first moved here, Mike was nine, Jake was eight, Sydney was, was four or five. She said, all you're missing is them getting on a bus going to school. But what it allowed me to do is it allowed me, I was done at noon. So when they're in grade school, I was the lunch dad. I went to school there. I was out on the playground. I watched them. You know, I was the dad watching everybody, you know, on the playground. I got to coach them in everything in their little leagues because it was all after school and I was yeah. free to do so. So I got to do all that stuff. So not only did I love doing this show, but it also gave me the ability to do that and be around my family. So we had the ability to travel places. When I did college games, I I was able to get home in time when they played Little League football on Sundays. Um, ESPN was nice enough at the time. I said when my first kid, which was Mike, reaches high school, I'm going to stop doing college games so I can be home on the weekends. Because as the kids get older, more of their stuff is on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And I wanted to be there for all of it. So I was able to be there for all of it. I was able to travel to all their games at Notre Dame, even away games. I was able to able to travel to all the Sydney swim meets, home or away, at Notre Dame and in high school and travel around the country with her when she was swimming in, you know, nationwide meets. So that that was a product of the show, uh, of it going well and of ESPN giving me that opportunity. So I think that's one of the things I'm most grateful for because we are a close family and we have spent a lot of time together and this job was able to let me do that. And while my kids started out young and ended up as adults through this, I didn't have to miss much of it. And I know I'm fortunate because I know, you know, a lot of parents out there have to work that nine to five and they have to miss stuff. Hell, my parents did, but they made every effort to make what they could make. I, I was fortunate enough to have a time frame where I was still able to to be around yeah. and be involved in them growing up. Well, and now they're now, you know, Sydney just got engaged. Congrats to her. Uh, Jake and Mike are older. So in theory, you know, your morning run is sort of ending and will allow you to, you know, hit the club 
with the kids. I'm sure that you've been really wishing you could stay up past 8 p.m. So you could really, you know, you know, you mean the golf club or the <laughs> nightclub? <laughs> yeah. You're out of your mind? <laughs> it, you know, that will be interesting though, Sarah, because normally I am up in bed, not necessarily asleep, but Chris and I will be up in bed by like eight o'clock. You know, we got to watch our, you know, reruns of Everybody Loves Raymond, which we normally right. do. Right. Uh, and then, but sometimes I'll fall asleep quick, like later in the week, I'll fall asleep quicker. Sometimes I won't, but it will be weird. I told Chris, I said, we do have to start staying up later, you know, because if I go to bed at eight, I don't need to get up at four anymore, you know? Right. You know, if I get up at eight, that's 12 hours. I'm not sleeping. For hours. So I am going to have to entertain myself or we're going to have to do something that has us out and about at least a little later on. And you might be able to actually watch the games about which you would be talking in the morning. You'll finally watch the things that instead of having to wake up and be told what happened while you were sleeping, you'll have intimate knowledge of having watched them and know where to talk about it. I will. I'll be working. <laughs> I talk about this. I have so much to say. I'll be calling. Hey, I finally watched I, it. <laughs> I'll be calling up Mike and or you and Jason and trying to get on the, on yeah. the air later. In the you guys watch that Hawaii talk. football game? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a game. <laughs> well, I hit the over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one part of the job. And I'm curious, and, and I know you're a huge sports fan. I love sports, but when I have a day off from my show and I can listen to, you know, Fresh Air or some other podcast that's not sports related, because I spend almost every morning much later than 4.15 is when I get up, but I listen to Golik and Wingo in the podcast form after it's already up, you know, kind of remind myself of what's going on for the day, get some stuff done, but I'm always kind of all day prepping for a show that's at night. Um, when I have the night off, I'm like, oh, I don't have to know who's injured, who's traded, who's whatever. It's a big job to keep up with all that stuff. Are you looking forward to just picking the sports you want to watch versus I need to know every detail, including, you know, the NHL, you know, who has an upper body injury? Yes. Yes. So much because you're right. People ask, how do you prepare every day? And you know, this as well as anybody, you just have to stay up on things. You have to make sure you're up on what's going on all the time. Um, so, yes, I am going to be happy that I don't have to do that as much, depending on where I end up in the future. Maybe I will again. I don't know. But right now, I, I am going to appreciate not having to do that, not having to stay up and have to watch that. I can only do it if I want to watch that. One of the biggest things I have to say, though, is over the years when I wasn't on the show and I was on a vacation or something, somebody would say, who's filling in? And I would say, don't know, don't care. No yeah. idea. No, I'm yeah. not there, so I'm not worried about it. I'm not watching yeah, yeah. it. I, I, I don't worry about it. And when I'm in the car, I have not, and maybe I'll start to become that now with all of a sudden I have more time. <laughs> I'm not a big, Sarah, I'm not a big podcast listener. To, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. What I listen to, I got my XM radio. It's the highway, 70s, 80s, 90s, yep. the bridge, you know, the yacht rock. You know, yep, I, mean, that, yep. what I, that, I just, I sit in the car and I just listen to music. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. Maybe you'll become, you'll become a podcast guy in your time. You know, you mentioned your wife, Christine, a lot. And uh, I, back on the first podcast, you said you had a rotating cast of three months of, of hosts before they picked Greeny. And within the first segment or so of listening, she texted you and said, he sounds kind of geeky, but he's the one. So she's sort of the Oracle and she's very involved uh, with your career and, and being a part of the, the show and, and, and everything that's going on. What does she say is next for you? Something so I'm not in the house all the time. <laughs> Just um, anything, literally. Been, 
There has been no one at ESPN, no executive, nobody behind the glass, nobody that has listened to more radio than my wife. She is, when I was doing the show or, or all the, for all the years, six o'clock, she started to listen. When Mike was doing first and last before my show, all of a sudden, Jeez four Four o'clock. I kid you not. I get up at four fifteen, but the alarm was set for four. I'm like, Chris, can't you just Jeez. wait the extra fifteen minutes? She's like, No, I need to hear it from the start. She would watch his show four to six and my show six to ten forever. She is one of the great field producers. When she's like, Oh, why don't you have this person on or that person on, or why don't you do this or why don't you try that? She has been in. She has been such the constant through this thing. It has been incredible. And now to the point where now we do our own. I, I sit there and say, I don't listen to podcasts, but I do one. We do. <laughs> yeah. And he's the reason for it. The Sorry in Advance podcast, the Golick Family podcast, which is called Sorry, sorry in Advance, because we usually say many things that we're sorry for. <laughs> we just want to get that out. That, that was her baby. She started that. But every couple of weeks, all of us get on Zoom or get on whatever. And, and we just talk about life. It's not even sports. If sports are a big thing, we'll do it, but we'll talk about life. We'll talk about, you know, Sydney having to use a suppository and eating it instead of using it how Oops. she should have. Took it like a pill. Sorry, that's that's what she did. That's what she did. We'll talk about my daughter-in-law, Jenny, rotating tires. You know, when you get that done for service, she thought you jacked the car up and just spun the tires until they were even. I mean, you can't make this shit up. I mean, you really can't. It's just crazy stories of just uh, like our lives and what we're going through. We're going to keep doing that. So okay, while good. I look at a show, we're going to keep doing Sorry in Advance and uh, just, you know, have fun doing it. Yeah. So you're going to be a college football analyst for the network before your contract ends at the end of the year. Um, are you excited to, about the possibility of like true free agency of where could I go? What could I do? Or is there a part of you that's like, I really liked that it was just always pretty inevitable that I was going to be back with the SPN and do the thing I do. You know, that, that's weird, Sarah, because I had been here for so long and never really been a free agent because with a year left and all of my deals, there was always a new one done. So it never, it never had gotten close to that. Um, and again, I love calling games. That's the first thing I did when I got to ESPN when I retired. I started really working for ESPN in 95. Even though I was doing local radio in Phoenix, I was calling college games for ESPN and ABC. That's like my first love doing that. So I'm very excited to do that. And then, you know, at the end of the year, A, I'll see, you know, I'll take the phone calls and see what they want me to do. Am I going to want to do something every single day again? I don't know. I'll see at that point. Do I just want to go back and call games, whether they're college games or NFL games? Maybe I'll want to do that for a couple of years. You know, there, there's I think there's going to be some options out there uh, to pick and choose from. And there is something about now being a free agent. I'm a really old free agent, <laughs> but a free agent nonetheless, which, which I hope some people think may still hold some value to them if, if they want yeah. to become a board. But it will be interesting. I've already been. I get maybe surprised or kind of happily surprised at the phone calls I've gotten. Again, of people knowing I, I'm just saying, hey, when your deal's up, we'll talk yeah. again. So that has kind of made me pretty happy. So it's somewhat intriguing uh, to say, huh, I wonder what else may be out there. Because, you know, maybe four hours every morning, you know, that may, maybe it's coming to an end and maybe, maybe that'll be okay. <laughs> I was going to say, for your sake, I, I'm I'm glad that you at least sort of have this forced many months uh, 
couple months here uh, of not doing it so you can get a feel for it because there's a rhythm there that I'm sure you might jump back into. And for your sake, I kind of want you to just uh, see what life is like without that every single day. For uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to ask you quickly uh, two things. One, uh, there's no Spanish Inquisition because you already did the Spanish Inquisition last time you were on here. And when I asked you the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve, you said it was you wanted more muscle because you had you had slimmed down from your playing days, but you wanted to be more muscular. Uh, this is your three-year check-in. How are we doing on the thing you most wanted to improve? I'm telling you, Sarah, I feel as good now as I did when I was in shape playing football. Wow. I, have, I have lost weight to the point of I'm about my high school weight at about 240. And I don't know if my muscles have gotten bigger, but what happens is when you lose weight, all of a sudden they come a little more defined. Yeah, you can see them better. I mean, you're like, <laughs> oh man, that's what a bicep or a quad looks like. So I don't know if the muscles have gotten bigger, but I can see them now and they're a little more defined. So I'm happy about that. And maybe one of the biggest things I'm happy about is for the first time in my life, I've grown a beard. I've, I've never grown a beard in my life. This is a quarantine beard. I tried a mustache one time. My wife laughed at me and I shaved it off. I grew this beard. She loves it. I like I wanna, it. I want to look good. It, it's gray and, and brown. I want my hair to turn white, the beard to turn white. I want to look uh, like Moses. Okay. Either, that or, either that or the Dosecki's man. Right. One of the two yep. get yeah. Yeah. Little little Dosakis, a little Sean Connery. I, yeah. It looks nice. It's it's a good look for you. I'm digging it. I do like it. I'm glad she likes it. Um. All right. So Keyshawn J and Zubin, the new show, the new morning show, three new early birds. What is your best advice after 24 years for those guys? Well, I know Key has done radio in L.A. and I think morning radio, so I think he'll 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 understand the the early part of it. But I did talk to Jay uh, about it. He, he called me and, and wanted to chat about it. And I would say the same thing to Zubin is, is while you get to exp the way I would go about it is, and you have to learn it only by doing it, it is a grind. It is four hours every day, not just through your specialty of, of what sport you know. Right. All around, 16 segments every single day, 20 hours a week where you need to be somewhat on. And I said, the, the, I think the biggest piece of advice I could give to any radio host, um, but th this is the morning, but anybody is let people know who you are. You know, don't just be this person that talks to you from six to 10 or 10 to noon or whatever your time slot is. And then they go away. Let them know you. Let them in. Let them know who you are. Let them know about your family. Become kind of friends with them. That I would say is the biggest advice I, I, I would give is is don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Yeah. Radio is very community-based. It yes, feels it like, and people want to know you and they want to check in with you every day because they, because uh, of you and not just because of your opinions exactly. on, on sports, which is sometimes tough if you do other gigs around the industry because you're told not to make it about yourself. And then you get to radio and you realize in a lot of ways you do have to sort of make it about yourself so that people choose you over every other voice and person they could be hearing from. Uh, so that's very good advice from you. Uh, Always so good to catch up. Always great to have you on. Um, you know, I won't bore you with my my tales of going from uh, getting to, you know, work the commercial breaks at your shows in Chicago to then, you know, the first time I got to be a guest on the show. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm a yeah, guest on Mike and Mike. Well, it's been incredible seeing you in Chicago. <laughs> where you are. Amazing. 
it certainly is you you uh, warming the crowd up and talking into the breaks and to the yep. Vietnam. It is an amazing uh, situation with you. And, and now, now look what I get to do. It's going to come full circle. I hope to be a guest on Spain yes. and Fit. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, you know, both Fitz and I love you. So we'll, we'll for sure have you on. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for always just being a good dude. And I remember even just showing up at Super Bowl parties because you used to have the, I think it was you and Jaws always had the Thursday yeah. night and yeah. my, my, uh, my old agent would uh, weasel me in and oh, there they are. I'm so nervous. And you would always just be so nice to everybody. And, um, you've just, you've set a great example for people and you know, you're going to be around. So, you know, it's not a, no oh, yeah, needs to say goodbye. goodbye. Uh, but, uh, uh, light, that's all. Yeah, and maybe there's things at the company you've always wanted to do, and because of your schedule, you haven't been able to pop in on other shows. You know, we'll get you on a special edition of Around the Horn. Uh, you know, we'll throw you in. Maybe oh, we'll slide you in on Highly Questionable. Let's get you in some places I've, you haven't I've done before. On, I've never been on any of those shows, so who knows what the future holds. That's what she said. It's time once again for South Bitch Sessions, where I rant about something that bothers me, and I fix it. This week, getting old. Holy shit, guys, it sucks. It it sucks getting old. And listen, it's not that this was like, you know, all of a sudden it happened upon me and I looked in the mirror, ah, shit, I'm old. It was actually that I went camping this past weekend and the combined efforts of a quarantine wherein I have been working out, like doing yoga via Zoom and doing hot Pilates and working out with my, my trainer slash physical therapist on all my body parts that don't function correctly. But I have not been able to do the stuff that I would do that involves like cardio. So I would at least try to spin once or twice a week. And because of all my many broken body parts that don't function that I mentioned before, that's really the only thing I can do that really gets my heart rate going in, in meaningful ways. I'm not allowed to run or jump or do a lot of the, you know, stuff that everybody else does at orange theory and, and whatever else. Uh, so we went hiking <laughs> and it's been a while. Uh, last time I hiked was in February. And also again, back to the, uh, the old cardio, I was like just gasping for air going straight uphill, these giant sets of stairs and then down this, down this hill and back up. And I, I realized to myself as I was you know, dressed like somebody's mom, uh, you know, not wearing cute little hiking short shorts and a sports bra showing off my abs, but, you know, dressed like someone's mom, barely able to gasp for air going uphill, uh, that I'm old. It, it hit me all at once. Uh, also, you know, pale from being in the house all the time. It all combined to suddenly, uh, just be a real slap in the face. And, uh, one day if I snap, it's probably going to be out this. In fact, I think that day might have been this weekend when I was like, holy shit, time to get my act together and start pushing back on this whole aging process. I'm not sure what extreme measures I'm going to take uh, in the form of, you know, just uh, massive plastic surgery. Uh, you know, do I hire um, trainer to the stars to get me back to my pre-pandemic fitness levels? Uh, you know, uh, what other magic creams can I purchase to slow this process? Uh, I don't know yet, guys. I'm just telling you that if you find yourself in the middle of a campsite in Wisconsin, uh, just covered in sweat from a hike or a hill that you previously thought you could manage, um, and then you you look down and realize that you're 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 old, uh, it hits you, hits you in weird ways. All right, I feel good about what we accomplished today. I had a therapy session with you guys about suddenly realizing I'm old as hell and needing to take care of that. Um, if you have any suggestions, please, please, by all means, message me about how you handle suddenly realizing that you're old. 
Uh, I didn't fix anything. I haven't fixed aging. I'm not going to fix my own aging, but at least I got to tell you guys about it. If you have a dilemma for me to try to fix, you can tweet it to me at Sarah Spain or go to the iTunes or podcast app, subscribe, rate, and review, and leave the dilemma in your review. Thanks as always uh, for lasting about an hour with me. That's what she said. <laughs>